Hello and welcome to another episode of the Tabletop for Two podcast. I'm Brad Van Vutt. I'm Emily Van Vutt. And uh, it's a busy, it's going to be a busy show this episode, I think, because we have uh, Unpub 7 to talk about that we attended this weekend. And we have uh, two big games to talk about. And when I mean big, I mean like super long and and complex and fun and Gloomhaven and the Colonists. And so we'll get to that very shortly. Mm-hmm. Um, just our normal bit of housekeeping to lead off the show. Uh, don't figure out, forget to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You can see at Tabletop for Two for our accounts there. Um, you, we also have a BGG Guild, number 2623. Definitely subscribe in there. Check us out. Um, follow us on YouTube at Tabletop for Two. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Google Play Music, or whichever podcatching service that you use. And uh, yeah, that is uh, that is it for that. <laughs> so um, we've talked. I've talked a little bit about my excitement level for Gloomhaven, and uh, we got it a couple weeks ago. I was fortunate enough to find um, a site called The Game Steward. Who basically buys like a lot of Kickstarter stuff on Kickstarter and then sells it, you know, for a small profit on their part. Um, so I was able to get it from them before the incredible shortage happened on the game, where it just got bought up and now you can't find it anywhere. And people are selling copies on eBay for three hundred dollars. Oh my god! Oh, really? Oh no! Yeah. Um, I Holy crap! Absolutely. I gotta look at that right now. Like I'm, <laughs> I'm serious. I just want to know. Like, the, and I know, I know, I probably told you guys how he pitched this to me to get me to want to get it, and mm-hmm. he said. Honey, it's Diablo the board game. And I'm like, Yeah. Well, okay then. <laughs> yeah, so so you know, first of all, Gloomhaven, it's it's a lot of box. It's it's easily the biggest box that board game have. that we own yes. by yes. by a wide margin. Um it's not not only is it is it wide, but it's also incredibly tall. A lot of stuff in the box. Holy crap. Why? Five hundred dollars. Yeah. Jesus Christ. It's it's kind of crazy. Just because there, I mean, there's a shortage right now. Now there's a Kickstarter reprint coming. That's that's going to be launching soon. Um, so if you're interested in the game, you know, keep an eye out for that. Don't pay exorbitant eBay prices. But uh, but I'd say that this game is definitely worth uh the MSRP on the box. There's there's a lot to do in the game. For those that aren't aware, this is basically. A legacy, <laughs> it is nuts. Um, a legacy dungeon crawl game. The um, I found was two twelve. <laughs> yeah, well, that's that's even that's double. That's like double the price, basically. <laughs> but like days. I said, it's it's a legacy dungeon crawler. Um, you there's six different character classes to start the game off with. Um, each player is going to choose one of those characters, and as you go through this game, and in this game there are ninety five, I think, potential scenarios that you can do. Now, you're not necessarily going to do all 95 because certain ones will unlock or be blocked off depending on what happens throughout the campaign. Um, your characters will gain ex- experience and they'll level up throughout the campaign as well. Didn't you say they retire too? Yeah, that's another cool thing too. So like I said, when they, when they, you know, get new abilities and stuff like that, or when they level up, they'll gain new abilities and they'll gain better stats. Um, but like I'm alluded to, each character also has a personal goal um, that they are trying to achieve and when they achieve that personal goal that character will literally retire like they will have nothing more to fight for they'll have done the personal quest they set out to do and then that character leaves the game totally and you have to start a new character Um, but as you're going along like the quests are set up they're like very descent style um you know, you know, one-off quests, multiple different rooms, easy objectives. Of, are we ever going to play that ever again? I don't know, because because we because we had an experience with this, and so we played. We so Gloomhaven's one of those ones that we can't obviously talk about the entire experience with, with one show. So I, this is a game that we're probably going to be like coming back to on the show as we, we probably progress through review. it. 
I, I, review. I mean, uh, like a progressive review. Like every couple, you know, times we play, we might head back on the podcast and right. talk about what's changed and, and the experience with it. Might be kind of a cool thing to do it that way too. Um, so we've played just the first scenario, but we've done it twice now. The first time, <laughs> the first time we played, um, the first time we played, Brad did Brad. Yeah, I mean, I <laughs> I got a couple rules wrong. Um, I made the game inadvertently more difficult than it had to be because I pulled some wrong enemies uh-huh. uh, on the board as well. And we're making them move incorrectly. Yep. Yeah, well, as I said, I got some rules wrong. Um, we also started a normal difficulty, which I will I will tell you right now, if you buy Gloomhaven and you start playing it, do yourself a favor. The first couple quests, kick it down to easy. Swallow your pride. Because the game, it's, it's a very unique game because the way it plays is you, instead of having, like, dice to roll... Each character has a hand of cards, and how many cards your hand is depends on the character that you're using. Um, I have like a roguish type character, like a thief type character, so I get nine cards in my hand. And has like what? It, what would you call yours? Like a? I'm a fairy. Yeah, but like, what's the? Do you remember what the class is called? She's a fairy. <laughs> That's not what the class is. It's you. You have like a like I, a like a battle mage kind of essentially. That's essentially. She's an orchid something or other. What Hold you? On. What you are. Um, and Emily can only hold eight cards and you know, the stats are different, but each card, um, that you have in your hand has two halves to it. There's a top half and bottom half. And when you, when it's your turn, you're going to take two of the cards because you start with all the cards in your hand. You take two of those cards and you play them, um, face down on the table. Now, one of the cards is, has each, each of the cards has number on it. You pick one of the cards to kind of choose as your like lead card and that card determines the initiative for the round um which she's an orchid that's, she's an that's orchid. her race she's an okay orchid. but what's her class what's her like what type of what type of uh she, character is she oh lord it doesn't really say it's well, just the, telling me about the race right now there you go like it's, it's, it's a battle mage type of character um but like I said, so you're gonna so the the initiative value, um, which is a number that ranges from one to ninety nine, is gonna determine when in the round you act. And then once all the players have revealed their lead cards to determine their initiative, then you flip cards over for the enemy characters that are on the board as well, because the enemy is sort of AI controlled. But it's cool because each of the types of enemies have their own unique deck of cards. That each that will determine what they do. So it's a little bit. It's a actually it's a lot less predictable than like the monsters in Descent, for example. Who you know the monsters in Descent are always going to move and attack every single round. Like that's just what they do. But that's not always going to be the case with the different enemies. Um, so, but like I said, you have two cards. You're going to pick the top action on one card, and you're going to pick the bottom action on your other card that you select for the round. The top card usually ends up being some kind of offensive maneuver and attack of some kind in most cases. And then the bottom action is usually a movement of some type or like a defensive card or you know something of that nature um, that you can kind of chain together. And you can execute the cards in any order that you choose. Um, and then that's, that's how it goes. Now, the other thing it does really neat is it kind of forces you to keep moving throughout the game. Because whenever you play, so like you're gonna play cards and then they're gonna get discarded. You're, so Orchid Spellweaver is yeah, the name of the, the. She's the spellweaver. Is the class? So like I said, so that's, said she's a fairy, right? Um, so like I was saying, when it, so when you you know you play your cards for the round, at the end of the round they're gonna get discarded. Eventually you're gonna run out of cards in your hand, or you're gonna have one card left in your hand. So when you do that, you have to rest. And when your character rests, what you're able to do is you pick up all of your discards, but you have to permanently lose one of them and cards that are lost are gone 
for the remainder of that quest, unless you have an ability that can recover Which them. Which my girl has an ability... I mean, I lose that card, mm-hmm. but I can pick up all of my cards that are lost. Right, but typically you're not going to be able to do that. Typically you're going to lose them for the rest of the quest, so that you kind of have this like countdown timer, because as the as the game goes along, you're going to be losing cards, and eventually you're not going to have any cards left mm-hmm. to pick up, and when that happens, you're, you're kind of knocked out of the quest, you become exhausted. So you can't dilly-dally... You know, during the turns, you have to keep moving throughout yeah, the yeah. scenario. This one's a hard and fast kind of game. Yeah, you like, and and it encourages you to kind of make riskier plays, which is kind of cool. Because like normally in most RPGs, like you would, you know, you're in one room, you'd clear out the entire room, you might rest for a second to kind of you know build yourself back up, and then you move on to the next room when you're stocked and ready to go. In this game, you kind of have to just keep going, and like maybe you take out two of the enemies in a room, but you might open the door to the next room while there's still one left standing. So it's it's a really neat mechanic. Um, the other thing it does that's really interesting too is that you can actually discard cards out of your hand, or actually not discard cards, you can lose cards out of your hand to negate damage as well, which is really powerful because you can negate an entire attack just by discarding a card out of your hand, but or not discard, but losing it. But again, that lowers that time track, and it also takes away one of your ability cards as well, which, you know, you have to weigh in, in addition to that. Um, and yeah, it's just, it's just a really interesting system that kind of takes the the randomness out of it because again when you attack characters like literally when you play an attack card it's not hey roll a dice and the attack will land between this value and this value it's hey you attack and you're going to do this much damage and then you can modify that with different abilities and where the randomness comes into play is that each character also has this deck of modifier cards that every time you attack you draw a card and the the modifier cards might add one or two to your attack it might you might you know minus one or two hit points off the attack or you might double the attack or which I got lucky once with mm-hmm, or you might whiff completely as well so there's one of the one of each of those cards in the deck um, and those those cards also trigger reshuffles of the deck as well so mm-hmm. it's it makes it really difficult to predict the cards that are left in there so I and I think that works better in a lot of ways than just a die roll because you can enhance the probability a little bit more with a fixed number of cards which is really neat. Plus, if you're like me and the dice really just hate you, mm-hmm. you know, this is a little better. Yeah, it's and, and definitely but it but it still keeps you on your toes. And yeah, we just had we just had a ton of fun. Um I'm really looking forward to leveling up characters as well because you also get perks when you do that, and those perks let you modify that attack decks. Like you have perks where you can remove some of your minus cards from the deck or add like plus cards to the deck, which increases, you know, makes your character better as you go along. Um, in the first mission that we did, we, we also discovered a side quest. Yes, there's side quests in the game as well that have nothing to do with like the main progression. You can even grind in this game. Like you can just, you're like, you know what? I don't want to do any story stuff. I just want to grind. You can create like a random dungeon that has no impact on the game world at all, but you can just grind out some XP or gold or, you know, stuff like that, which is kind of, kind of awesome. And as you go through the game, literally the world map will change and different things will happen. You're also trying to build up the prosperity of the town Gloomhaven. That is like the central location in the game. And when you build up the town's prosperity, it unlocks like new items that are available to buy from the shop and new characters that you create can um, started at like a higher level when the town's prosperity is leveled up. So it's a just, it's a really interesting system. And I find it 
and I just find it really fascinating. Um, when we played the second time, we did kick it down to easy and were able to get through the first quest. <laughs> By the skin of our teeth, though. I don't know if it was by the skin of our teeth. I mean, we were definitely coming down to it. Like, if you had, if, if we had had to go one more round, you that would have been the last round that you would have been standing. Yep. I might have been able to survive a little bit longer. Um, but yeah, it's just, it's just a really, really interesting game. Um, it's because it, it, it feels familiar, but different at the same time from anything else that's on the market. And I also, I've also found this one to be more evocative in the theme than most other dungeon crawl games that I think we've played so far. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, cause you know, like, like the ability, like the names of the abilities on the card kind of match what the card really does. You know what I mean? Like you, Oh, have, my fire orb card. Yeah. Like, like, like M like, has, M had a card. I had this fire one. Orbs. It was a fire orb. It was a ranged attack. And I was literally throwing them. I was in the room and I was throwing them across the table at these skeleton guys and I just so happened on the one I hit my two X card in my deck, so I yeah. killed him, bam, right on the spot. Right, and it's like, and it's like you know, like the fire orbs, like M said, like it's a it's a range attack card that can target multiple enemies. So like her character literally like kicks in a door and just like has these fire orbs and just starts launching like, them across take the that, room, sucker. Yeah, and it's and and so it, and so the things that you do again are like just really. I don't know. It it seemed to me anyway. Like it seems like the words kind of jump off the off the cards a little bit as you're going through. There's also like in you know random encounters that you'll have. That's kind of similar to descent. Like when you go on you know to travel to a new quest, some random stuff will happen to you. But these can actually have like wide ranging effects on you know you, your characters or the world or stuff like that. So it just it's a really ambitious game, and I'm I'm really glad that we got it. I'm really looking forward to kind of exploring it more as we go along and like i said we'll you know continue updating you guys of that um and because it's it's like i said it's 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 interesting and i i kind of half regret i i reacquired descent recently because i wanted to do the 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 uh the app that they have the road to legend app for descent which i thought would be a better experience for for em and me and we haven't even gotten to play it yet and it's just, like I'm, I'm almost kind of regretting reacquiring descent because i'm like man i don't know if i'm ever going to want to really bust out descent over put it on the shelf over playing this you know what i mean so it's it's just one of those things put it on the shelf it's taking up valuable space that we don't have it is taking up space on the <laughs> shelf for sure so yeah, so I, I've been rambling a lot about this. What are what were your some of your thoughts, especially after the second play? Because I know the first play, oh you my were, god, so you the, were first, so, the you first play, I'm just like Jesus. I don't know if I'm going to like this game, and I'm just, I was upset if I didn't like it because you were so excited for it. Mm-hmm. Now, having said that, we played it the second time on easy mode and with the correct people. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a much more enjoyable experience for me. It did remind me, like you, like when you pitched it to me as Diablo, the board game, it reminded me of, you know, playing Diablo with you. And mm. it just, it had a whole different feel when we did it the right way the second time. Right. Like I said, I, I enjoyed, <laughs> I really, really enjoyed when I got like those, like, punch you in the face, like, I got you, sucker, you know, mm-hmm. and I could kill him in one shot. It was great. Well, and, and, and even like her, like, her and I had some like the stand up moments where like, you know, we're targeting like the elite archer that's in the room and then M drew, you know, we were just playing on whittling her down, but then M drew like her double damage card and and KO'd her and, and, and that kind of stuff. So yep, that, it's, that was great. It's it's fun, man. Um I can't say what I said when it happened because <laughs> we have to keep it PG. Right. 
but yeah. Yeah, but if, 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 <laughs> if like I said, if you're looking for a very different, um, like dungeon style game, then keep your eye out because I really like, I think the Kickstarter to, to reprint the game is like within the next couple of weeks that it's going up. So that's something that you should definitely keep an eye on. I mean, we, we rambled on about it for 15 minutes and it's not going to be the, the last time that you hear us talk about this on the show. Oh, I'm sure. I would imagine. So that is Gloomhaven. Um, look for more from us on that in the future. Yeah. Uh, next on our list was Villages of Valeria. We've actually had it for a while. We finally cracked it open. Um, it, I don't know. It felt a little. It, it felt kind it, of very it, flat for us. Yeah. This is a. Um. This is it, another game in the Valeria line, which we have. Um. Valeria Card Kingdoms is a game we like very much. That completely well, replaced. Game I love that you don't. I like it. I like it. You love it. I I like it. You love it. (laughs) Um, But this is another game in that same line. Uh, The premise of this game is a very it's it's a it's a tableau building game um, akin to like San Juan or or Race for the Galaxy or something of that sort. Um, But it it has a a few little tweaks and differences that kind of make it stand out. So when it's when it's your turn, you have these cards in your hand and the cards are multi-use um, depending on what you do with them and you select an action uh, from fi- from five different actions that are available and this would be like to you know develop your area to build a building to harvest to gain resources and things of that nature and then after you perform the action um, any of your opponents can follow that action and do a slightly lesser version of it essentially again think San Juan and that's basically that's basically what you have here except for the fact that the actions don't like reset every round, every action's available all the time, which is kind of one of the inherent flaws with the game. Mm -hmm. Um, You also have a certain number of gold pieces um, and you can acquire more of those through the game, but you need gold to purchase the resources that you use to build. But they're also very limited. So if it's gone, it's gone. Yeah. If if the gold gets stockpiled, then it does, it does go away. Um, And that's, that's the one thing that I do think is kind of interesting that the game handles because when you, when you develop a card, you take it, from your hand and kind of slide it underneath your your castle, which shows a resource. So that when you go to build a building, um, you plate a number a gold piece on each resource that you want to use. You can even use your opponent's resources that have not but been used yet either. Right, but then they'll get the gold coin when they clear their cards when it comes back to be around their turn. So it's again, it's one of those risk reward things where, yeah, you're getting a resource that you might not have access to, but they're getting another gold coin that they can then turn around and spend. You can also hire adventurers, which give you like permanent bonuses, essentially, in your uh, in your tableau. And then you're going to go through um, until someone has built 12 or played 12 cards out in front of them. And then you're going to score victory points for everything that you've done. And the most victory points wins. Um, I think the thing that really hurts this game and the thing that makes San Juan very smart is that in San Juan, like I said, there's there's the five actions. But then once one of the actions gets drafted, it can't be used again until it's, you know, until one round has gone across the entire table and then those actions reset. The problem with Villages of Valeria is that you can spam the same action over and over and over again, and you don't have to build up a ton of resources in order to get enough resources that you can build most of the buildings in the game. So there literally came a point where like four turns in a row, I was using the build action to get, to get buildings out onto the board 
because I had exactly the set of resources that I needed to build a lot of the different buildings right. that, that I had out there. So it kind of made the game not anticlimactic, but it kind of made it very samey. Like there gets to a point where building is absolutely what you should be doing and there's no reason to, to do anything else at all as you go through the game. I, I, I couldn't put my finger on what it was. I just, it did not blow my skirt up as you would say. Well, and the thing is like, it wasn't a bad game by any stretch of the imagination, but I, there's not a single scenario it where it felt too basic. Maybe that's what it is. It felt too basic for me. Well, and we were even using some of there. There's um, at least in the Kickstarter version. I don't know if this is in the, um, in the, ba- in the base game or not. But there's a couple of like small expansions that you can add, and we were actually using um, most of those expansions. And I was hoping that that would add some of the variety, and I just didn't really, just didn't really see it. And and the reason that it just didn't click with me is that while it was an okay game, there's not a single scenario that would come along where if I wanted to play a game like a tableau building game like this, where I wouldn't pick San Juan over this every right. single time because right. San Juan, there's something like it's such an elegantly designed game. Like there's no superfluous parts and there's enough strategy involved that it makes San Juan I think an infinitely better better game to pick up um I mean this one does a little bit some other different things too like there's actually like a like a by row of buildings that when you discard stuff you discard them onto one of four piles and those are the buildings that are available to to draw from when you do draw cards so you know you might leave something out for your opponent so I can see the strategy there but yeah this one just didn't didn't really do anything for me at all. Like to the point where I'm, I'm ready just to trade it away after uh, after just one play, which yeah. is not usually a good sign for us. No, not at all. We usually at least give them two shakes and then yeah. But yeah, so, yeah. That is that is villages of Valeria. Um, yeah, like I said, just didn't click with us. And I would. It was about half hour though. Yeah, about a half an hour to play. It's a quick one, but again, if if you want a, a really good two player tableau building game like this, just get San Juan because I I think it's a much better experience. Yeah. Uh, next on our list is we actually had it for a while, but we wanted to play both sides of the expansion. Um, Pandemic, the cure, experimental meds. Mm-hmm. So we finally got around to playing the hot zones side of the expansion. Mm-hmm. So now we can talk about both. Well, we, we didn't. Well, we hadn't talked about the other one either. So this is the expansion. Well, that's for, why I said yeah. we finally got around to it. So now we can talk about both of them. So the um, <laughs> this is an expansion for Pandemic of the Cure, which is our preferred way to play Pandemic. <laughs> yes, other than well, other than Legacy, Legacy. which doesn't count. <laughs> um, but yeah, this is our preferred way to play Pandemic over the regular version of the game. This is, of course, Pandemic the Dice Game. Uh, what experimental? Which, if you've been listening for a while, you know we are suckers for dice games. Oh yes, absolutely. So experimental meds adds a few things. First, it adds eight new characters mm-hmm. to the game, which, which are is, the ones that were in Legacy, if I'm correct. Well, the, those characters also appear in in regular Pandemic as well. Through well, the yeah, but of course. I've not really played regular Pandemic so much with right. you know like the expansions and whatnot. I'm sure they're in there, but yes. So yeah. so you get you get eight new characters and they all have their own custom dice, which is very cool. Um, you get some more events that you can use from the CDC, mm-hmm. which is also very cool. So you're going to use those in every game. And then it adds two modules that you can either use separately uh, or combine together to make the game God, why, a little bit more why difficult. Why would you combine them? Oh, it'd probably be fun to do, I bet. So the first one we played we'll, with... We'll this do is, it one night. Yeah, this is the uh, mutation expansion. This essentially adds a fifth color of dice um, to the game, which is purple, that mm-hmm. you have to cure as well. And the other reason the purple dice are kind of a pain in the butt is because 
they are very difficult to cure potentially because a lot of the purple dice hit instead of having like a number of pips on the side or CDC symbol will have a minus one on one side of the die that literally decrease it. every time you roll as you decrease the number that you're trying to hit when you try to find a cure um, for for the purple dye disease so makes it a little bit more difficult to to cure that one and again it's an extra an extra thing that you have to do during the game in order to yeah. to finish it off so that was pretty good we like that one um, hot zones adds a these green dice which are hot zone dice that get placed on the different regions Half of the sides have a benefit that can be spent um, to help out the researchers. Half of them are mean. Yeah, half of them are mean, which will do stuff like make you spend extra travel symbols to travel to a specific region. Make you spend more to cure a disease, right? Wasn't mm-hmm. that one? Yeah, and and these hot zone dice linger around in the different regions. Like it's like when you spend them, you just re-roll them, mm-hmm. and you might end up with. Another good thing that you can use on a future turn, or you might end up <laughs> with something bad. terribly bad, and the bad effects will stack. So there's there's you know there's one that makes epidemics worse when, you know when when they outbreak in a certain region, so like that. So that's another thing that you have to manage, and another fire that you have to kind of put out, mm-hmm. where it makes it like really difficult to even go to certain regions to do stuff oh because the hot like sun we, dice are are ruining you. We had a couple where I'm just like, okay, uh, I said. I'm gonna go here and I'm gonna do my best, but I'm not making any promises. Yeah, so so we really we thoroughly enjoyed both sides of this. Um, the new characters are are okay. Um, we haven't used all of them yet. Like we've only played two games, and I think we each had a newbie mm-hmm. um, the first time around. Um, they, I mean, they all have their own unique traits, which you know will help or hinder in certain situations. There are a couple of characters that they recommend only for three player or more games, so mm-hmm. we won't probably see those too much. Uh, in our playthroughs with the game, but yeah, this is an excellent expansion. Um, I was put off a little bit by the price, but then again, custom dice do cost lots of money, so yes. it's that's it's to be expected. Um, but yeah, if you like Pandemic: The Cure, um, this should be something that should be on your radar because it's it you know takes an already great game and adds a lot of it replay does, value and freshness. It, it does up. Brad's favorite thing that an expansion should do. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> So yeah, I would say this is a this is a great expansion, and if you are a fan of the original game, then uh, it should be something that you get. So that is Pandemic: The Cure, um, Experimental Meds. Am I keep going? Yeah, I don't have my doc in front of me, so you're gonna oh, have to geez, you're geez. gonna have to set up most of this stuff. <laughs> okay, well you do most of the talking anyway, so it's fine. Um, next on the list was Orleans. We did the dual expansion. Yes, we bought the we got the invasion expansion. In a trade, I think recently, or maybe we got that for Christmas. I, I can't remember. We got it for which. Christmas. I honestly can't remember. Um, but anyhow, regardless, uh, we got it. the The invasion expansion has six different expansions um, in the game that actually, like, you only use one of the expansions per game, and you have to uh, you have to pick and choose which one, and that changes the game in different ways. The one that M and I have done um, so far together is they have one called Orleans the Duel, which is a two-player specific expansion that takes the gameplay of Orleans and changes it from being a point-scoring game to an objective game, where each player, um, you, you, you both have the same four objectives that you're trying to achieve, and the first player to achieve those four objectives is the winner. Um, the game takes place over 16 rounds, and if nobody achieves four objectives by the end of that, then nobody 
gets to win the game. And what it what it changes from the base game instead of the regular benevolent deeds board, it's it's replaced with a smaller version um, that doesn't make that as important of a factor in the game. Also, the events in the game, instead of having random events that are shuffled and, and they come out in certain order. They're already there for you to see. Right, they're all preset, and they're much different events for the most part that happen in the base game. So you have to kind of, you, like, you see them coming, so you have to plan for them. And there's some really negative events that require you to pay certain fees that also cause you to instantly lose if you're not uh, if you're not able to pay what the event wants you to. So you have to be, you do have to be really cognizant of those as you go through. You go through the game. Um, I did enjoy this quite a bit um, because I enjoyed how you kind of really have to take what you know in Orleans and really adjust your strategy um, to to cater yeah, around the objectives. So well yeah, you didn't do such a good job in this one because I don't <laughs> I don't think you were gearing your play towards the objectives too much. I felt like you were just trying to keep up with the events. As well, the game I along. was like, I felt like I couldn't get it going to try and make headway towards the events. And like, even when I did get something going, you kind of screwed me over royally. Mm-hmm. And I'm just, yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. So, but, th- but did you not like it because you played poorly or did you not like it because you just don't like the way that it changes the game of Orleans, I guess, basically? Um, I didn't like it because it, <sighs> It made me feel like a moron. <laughs> like not it's an interesting lie. way to go but to um, to put it. Cause I, I I mean here I am I'm thinking I'm because I knew I'm like okay I don't need to score points because that's not the end game here. Even though I felt like the things I was trying to do to help combat like the events and everything, I felt like I was trying to still score points because that's what I had to do to make mm. some of the things happen, and it's just. Yeah, I just I didn't have fun with that one. Okay. Maybe if we try again and I'm in, you know, maybe maybe this time around will be better, but the first time was just not good for me. That's fair. Um I'm really anxious to try. They have they have a cooperative expansion in the box for this That'll one. That'll be interesting. Yes, yeah, so I I I'm looking really forward to trying that one. Um there's also just a like a regular expansion um and then there's three solo expansions. I've tried one of the solo modules. It was okay. Um, it wasn't the best. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'll I'll check out the other two. But yeah, so Orleans Invasion. Um, we're not gonna we're not gonna give a recommendation on it one way or the other yet. But the the two player specific one, like I said, I liked it fine. M not so much. So so that you have so you have that to go off of for now at least as right. part of the part of the recommendation right. for that one. Last on the list was one that was played at my behest because mm-hmm. I had so much fun when we played like the introductory game. And that's the colonists. Well, so so let's let, we'll talk we'll talk about both games of this that we played. So because we played we've played the colonists twice so far. So the, the colonists, for those that don't know, is this big giant epic Euro game um, that's that was put out by Mayfair. That's in the big that's in a box that makes is even bigger than Feast for Odin. Um, and it's it's and an heavier. interesting. And it's a cool game because the I think the, it's heavier than Terra Mystica, and Terra Mystica is pretty heavy. It had a lot of cardboard sheets in there yeah. for sure. Um, the premise of the game is interesting because it's just it's just another one of those resource management point scoring games. Um, and the rules are actually for being as as deep as the game is. It's not very. There's not a ton of rules overhead. Basically, you have this modular. It's real easy to learn. It really is. Right. You have you have this modular board of locations, and each of the locations 
gives you a benefit of some kind, whether that's giving you resources or letting you build specific types of buildings or upgrading your buildings, you know, things of that nature. And each round, more buildings will pop out onto the board, essentially. And you each have a little steward um, that can move around this board. And on your turn, you're going to move the steward to three different locations, performing the action at that location every single time that you that you move. Um, so each round is considered a half year, and the game is divided into eras, and each era consists of five, of five years total. So basically, each player will have 10 turns, so 30 actions that they can perform in each era of the game. And you're trying to build up your own personal civilization by managing your resources, building new buildings that do specific abilities for you. There's also a number of, like, guilds that are in the game that give you special powers. Don't forget you got to build storage for all your crap. Yeah, you need storage facility for your different goods because your resource storage at the beginning of the game is very limited. And, And so you're going through the game making, you know, just trying to find the best actions to do as you go along. Now, what makes the game very unique is that the game can go up to four eras out of the box and you can choose how many eras you want to play. You can do a one era game, which is what we did for the introductory game. You mm-hmm. can do two, three. And then we also decided to go with the big mamma jam of the, the four era, four hour, four era game. Yeah. So we, so we found that one era in this game for two players takes about 45 minutes to an hour, mm-hmm. give or take. And which when we play that, like, I was not ready for it to be over. Like, I wanted a little more. We did the one era game. Yes. Yes, because, yeah, because with the one no, era game. No, definitely not in the four. Yeah, well. Are you kidding me? With, with the one era game, like I said, you kind of, <laughs> you get to the point where you're you're starting to build something, and then it stops, and you're just like, oh, man, like, like you know, I was ready to do all these cool things. It's and, like our buddy who used to tell stories, and you think you're you're waiting for the, the payoff, and then he's just like, oh, no, I'm done. Yeah. <laughs> So so we decided so I wanted so I wanted to get both sides of the spectrum. So so we did the one air game and we both stumbled along at first. And <laughs> but toward but the end we clicked. knew what we were it doing. It started to click, yeah. Right, toward the end we knew what we were doing. And then so we decided to jump into the four air game. And that one <laughs> was quite was quite the epic experience for sure. I was laughing because this is the first time that my dear husband here has said to me, oh my god, my brain is wrecked. Yeah, I, I, I've never, like, so I, I am someone that usually does not suffer from AP at all when I play games. I'm usually much more of a, much more of like a gut player, or I'm able to think about what I want to do, um, you know, in previous rounds, and I'll execute a strategy over a number of turns. This game... This was hilarious. He Crippled just like me. Yeah. I looked at him. I think we were like halfway through the third era, mm. and I'm looking at him, and I'm like, meanwhile, I've got my game plan. I'm ready to rock and roll, which mm. I'm usually the one that gets AP. I'm ready to rock and roll, and I'm like, Jesus Christ, what are you doing? Are you going to go sometime? Today? Yeah. He's like, I'm sorry. He's like, my brain, it's not functioning. Well, because like I said, because you're doing those three actions in a row, like like you always have a have a picture of all right. I want to get to this point. Like I want to, I want to be able to build this building. But in order to do this, I got to do this thing first. But then, and to do that, I got to do this thing first. But I also have to do this thing. And like you're trying to draw the path because your steward can also only move 
a number of spaces. You can and kind you of can't upgrade go it. Go back on the same space, right? You can't end on the same space right. that you started on. So you right. can't just you can't just camp out in one area. Now they have these markets that you can kind of use to help you teleport around the board quickly, which is a handy little endeavor. Um, but yeah, this one really just you know broke my brain a little bit as we're trying to go through the game we got to the point where like we started the the game at like what 8 30 uh-huh. um on a on on a weeknight because we're idiots apparently and we got to like midnight and we were done getting done the third era and i'm just like i can't even do this well right i told now. him i was yeah. like babe i'm i'm ready to pass out I'm, right I'm now done. fortunately we had the nice you know the duchess table that we can throw the topper on and we were able to finish the fourth era on another night um, so that was a handy little deal, but yeah. So the four the four era game, I I had a good time, and the mark of a good game. Like the next day, I'm sitting here thinking about how I could have played more efficiently in the game because yes. I made a lot of poor plays. I'm sitting at work as we went along. I'm sitting at work and I hear my phone go off, and I check, and it's a text from him saying, "Oh my god, I just realized what I could have done to do this better and more yeah. efficiently." I'm like. But like you're a mess. But that being said, the four era game is not something that we're going to be doing a ton of with this one. I I think two eras would be perfect in terms of like the length of time and getting a satisfying feeling out of it. Not to say that we'll always do two eras in this one, but I think that that's probably what we'll end up doing mm-hmm. the most. Um, but I I I thought the game was really clever mm-hmm. um and really and really fun and kind of a, a very a, well, a weird twist on 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 the euro game and i like how as you go along like each each turn you have to put out some tiles mm-hmm. and like you get to a point where some of the tiles are replacing tiles that are currently existing because they make them better because i figured at that point in along, the game you need, you need yeah. more of the resources so they're like here we're going to help you out you know right. kind of a thing and and some of the like some of the buildings in the later eras especially get like really powerful, but at the same time they're also really difficult to acquire the specific resources needed yeah. to to get them unless you like game plan around. Like this is one of those games where like well, to get this one building. And there's also the cards. Like you can get the cards. Yeah, they have development cards that you can acquire and play those um, during the game as well, which can either give you like one shot abilities or like permanent boosts that you can take advantage of and things like that. Right. Which add a nice twist to the game as well because those cards. Cards change across the different eras of the game as well as you go through. Yep. So just yeah, just a lot of lot of decisions to make and just a lot of a very a extremely heavy game. Like do not play this unless you are you know well versed in the Rosenberg arts or you know or things or things of that nature and can handle the heavy game. But if you're looking for just like a really deep, really fun. Euro the game, game that finally broke Brad's brain. Yeah, but I, I really, I, I gotta say though, I really do appreciate the way it was designed. That gives it and like that adjustable length experience, so mm-hmm. that if you want to have this like crippling five hour like, oh you know, brain melting session, you can do that. You can even save your game, and like the game has a method to save the game and like re re put it out, but in a similar state to how you had it before, but maybe not exactly. The same, or they have in this day and age, you take a damn picture and then you can put well, it out. Well, exactly probably the, the easiest way to do it. <laughs> or they also have it where you can set the game up to that you start in a later era. So, like if you if you play like a two era game all the time, you're like, you know what? I really wish I could see what the three and four era stuff looks like. Then you can actually start the game in some way, shape, or form in in a later round, essentially. So, yeah, the colonists 
quite an impressive title. Um, definitely one if you are into heavy euros that bears looking at for sure. And because uh, we had we had a blast with it, even though I was ready to pass out. <laughs> when, yeah, we both were when we, when we were done playing, especially after that 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 three era session that oh, we had to, that man. we had to put on hold for a couple nights. Yeah. So yes, that is that is the look at the new stuff that has gotten to the table for us the past couple of weeks. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to talk about uh, the fun we had at Unpun Seven, Unpub Seven Unpun? this this weekend. <laughs> Unpub 7 uh, took place in Baltimore this past weekend as we're recording this. And we love Unpub because it's the only convention that we get to go to for right now because it's in our backyard. It is literally 15 minutes away from our house. Yes, yeah, so we can leave we can leave our son with uh, with my mom. She can come over and watch him and we can go play lots of games and have fun all day. No traveling necessary. And see some friendly faces. Mm -hmm. That that we don't get to see all that often. So uh, this is the third consecutive year that we have gone. Um, It's been interesting to watch it grow because I know the first first year we went was the first year they had it in Baltimore. And there was a decent amount of people there, um, but it's definitely grown considerably Mm -hmm. um, each of the past two years as well. And also just, you know, hearing about how far it's come since its origins Mm -hmm. where they used to hold it in like a like a school cafeteria basically up in Delaware and like a couple hundred people would show up and then that's about it. So it's, it's kind of cool. Um, we aim. So normally in the past we've gone to unpub, we have gone in and just kind of played whatever was available and saw stuff that looked interesting and sat down and gave it a try. Well, this year I wanted to take a little bit of a different approach and we actually did some research for a few of the games that were going to be there and we tried to get to those games specifically because there's certain stuff that we don't want to play. Now, at this convention, that can be easier said than done because obviously there's demos running all day long. Well, also, it um, some of the tables, they may, they call them tag tables because you have one designer there in the morning, another one in the mm-hmm. afternoon. So if you don't if you don't get to one you know, if you don't get to the table during their session, then you're not going to get to play. Right. You might miss out on that. Right. Um, so we did, we did. Okay. I think we got three games played, um, that were on the list that we had going in. Mm -hmm. And then we got to play two other ones this year. That's another thing that was a little bit different this year than last for us is that we usually end up playing a lot of games at unpub that are usually like quicker, like games you can play in 30 minutes, you know, filler style games. Mm -hmm. And we end up getting a lot of games played. Well, this year we actually ended up going for more, more substance over quantity, I guess. So we, we sat down and played some longer games. Um, and try those out as well. So we we're going to go through the five that we played, um, which are in varying stages of development, and mm-hmm. uh, and and we'll tell you about what we thought about those as we go. Oh, this is me because you don't have your thing in front That's of you. That's correct. <laughs> Unprepared. So even after even after the break, I didn't think to go downstairs and get and yeah. get the iPad. Yeah. Go figure. So <laughs> anyway, um, the first game we played was called Thirteenth Floor, mm-hmm. and it's by Matt Wolf. Who we love because, well, I I was like, oh, my God, with Wombat Rescue, but that's just me because I'm a little crazy. Hmm. I was very excited about a game where you get to poop. So, (laughs) Well, and 13th Floor, this is a game where um, you are trying to build 
towers. You're making bids to build towers for the city, but the city doesn't want a tower that's thir- exactly 13 stories high right? because they're superstitious, and that's very unlucky. And it's very cool because each turn, there's there's a um, line of cards that comes out, and it's kind of like pressure luck. You have to keep going um, until you get... If you get if you hit 13, you bust. You're done. Mm-hmm. If you go over 13, then you're okay. But you have, there are certain cards in the deck. Was it 1 through 6, he said? Mm-hmm. But they're weighted towards one, twos, and threes specifically. But you have to get draw a card that has dollar signs on it to be able to actually take the card. Yeah, some some of the cards have buy symbols on them, and once you're done drawing cards, assuming you don't bust, then you can buy a a number of cards equal to to the the number number of buy symbols that you have. And there's so you can develop. There's three different color towers. Four different color Four. towers, sorry, in the game. Now, what's where it gets interesting is that you have each player has their own personal board where you can develop one tower at a time. But you also have a shared one on either side. In between, yeah, in between the different players that you can both work on. Mm-hmm. Um, and but you want to be the one to complete the towers on those boards because you get more points if you complete them than if not. Because if you complete a tower on your own board. You get three points, and to complete a tower, you have to build it higher than 13 stories, Mm -hmm. and if you build it exactly 13 stories, then it gets wiped away, right? Um, So so if you complete your own tower, your own personal tower, it's three points. If you complete one of those towers you share, it's four points if you complete it, but it's two points if the other player... Well, and also, if you are currently working on that same color tower, Mm. you get an additional point. Yes, so you 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 might want to specialize in certain color towers because like i said you get bonus points when you complete towers if you're working on another tower that's the same color but the the tricky side of that is that it makes a lot of cards that pop up in the middle unusable because the cards that will pop in the middle are the same match the colors of the different towers and you have to use cards that match the color to develop on a specific tower Mm -hmm. um there's also special abilities that you can get if the towers are sitting at specific heights essentially like the shared towers um some of them have arrows that point a specific direction, so mm-hmm. it'll he- either help out this person or that person. Um, most of the ones on, like, the personal board, there was one where you can ditch a card from the middle. There was one where you can um, add or add or lower um, one on your tower. Oh, one of your towers, yeah. yeah. So, so, yeah, this is a really interesting game. Um, I thought it did the mechanic that you see in Between Two Cities. A little bit more effectively, because in between two cities, that game is nothing but you have shared boards between the players that you're both trying to develop dually on. Mm -hmm. And that leads to some wonkiness in the scoring at the end of the game. I thought this one was a little bit more effective um, with how with how it did that in this game. So 13th Floor um, was a cool game that I would love to see. Um, get picked up by somebody. Absolutely, I will definitely buy that game. (laughs) Yeah, it would be a cool little filler. It was so cool. Um, next, uh, we actually just stayed at the same table because he had another game. Um, this one, it was only two weeks old, he told us. Mm-hmm. So we were kind of flying by the seat of our pants as far as rules and everything goes. And it was called Holiday Horror. Which has one of, I think, probably the best theme yes. that I've ever this seen is, like, from a game. I, I think I laughed from start to finish with this game. Like, I've never had so much fun just laughing and it's terrible i've never had so much fun laughing at having to kill children in all my life yeah because the theme of the game is it's a game where um it centers around different christmas mythologies for from a variety of different cultures folklores and stuff like that um the gameplay itself is a seven wonders style 
drafting game um, where you are trying to you have four kids that you are managing essentially, and you're trying to keep them good uh, during by making Christmas. them do chores, right? And they 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 stay good by doing chores. So the the different cards that you get will be different chore cards that you can assign to your kids. There are um, also food cards and treat cards, and there's um like a hard work card. The hard work card lets you advance an additional space. Hmm. Um. One one of your chore tracks. Yeah, because you, you, have, you have to manipulate these chore tracks to get them to complete. Because every kid that doesn't complete a chore each round, and there's 12 rounds in the game, becomes bad. And that could have usually a variety of adverse effects. Right. Now, there are good and bad um, folklore, folklore people. Yeah, People from folklore. Um, so, of course, I'm sure most people know who Krampus is because of the movie that came out and everything else. Mm. But, yes, he's in there. There's this really mean one called Yule Cat. And mm. if your kid's bad or if your kid doesn't have new clothes, Yule Cat will eat you. Yeah, that's the, the, the <laughs> other the other thing that completing chores gets you is it gets you um, different items that you can use for the different folklores and stuff like yeah. that. Um, there's also a log that each player has that you can feed. And if yes, you fully Teo, feed it. Teo Dinadal. Teo Dinadal. Well, Teo Dinadal. If, if he's fully fed by the time the game ends, will poop presents all over all of the good children, <laughs> and presents are worth five points. Um, so if you can keep all your all your kids good, that's a guaranteed twenty yeah, so, points. At so the Matt, end of the game. so Matt Wolf found a way to to work in pooping into another one of his game designs. Somebody put that on one of our when we tweeted about that yesterday. Somebody's mm-hmm. like, Matt, what's your deal with poop? Yeah. <laughs> so th- this is one. M really enjoyed this game a lot. Um, I I had fun, but. It's also very clear that it's an early in development game. Well, right. And we right. were trying to figure I mean, this is one we were kind of figuring out stuff on the fly because like each child actually has like text on it to say, um, if you're working on such type this type of chore, you get to start one space further, you know, something like that. And um we actually were working on something and somebody brought up, oh, well, does this, is this like collectively between your children or is it just specifically for that child? And he's like, well, let's try it out collectively, yeah. which actually worked kind of, kind yeah. of well. This is one I'll be interested, like, like if this game is at Unpub next year, I'll be curious to see what it looks like after a year of development, right. basically, as, as you well, go as through. I said, so. that's probably one of the first questions we always ask. Um, when we're playing long games, how been? long yeah. have you had this one going? He's like, yeah, like this is like two weeks old. Mm-hmm. He said, I don't really have set rules; they're kind of very fluid right now. So yeah. he's like, we're just going to see how this rolls. So there was another one. Um, the next one we played was called The Reckoners. This is from Nevu Games, who did Stockpile, um, which is one of our favorites. Mm-hmm. Um, this is a very different type of game. This is a cooperative game. We actually got to play this with our friends Kevin and Corey, um, who happened to be sitting down at the table as well. And this is this, as a cooperative dice rolling game where you have like this. It takes place inside of a novel universe. I'm not. Fam- I wasn't familiar with the I, subject I'm matter. I'm not either. I'd actually like to look into that just to. It looked know, like see. it looked like a, like a dystopian. <laughs> I was just style. laughing so because the villain's name is Steelheart, and mm. all I could think of was the hairband. Okay, that that is what you would think of. Absolutely. Yes, it is. So, so for sure, <laughs> um, this is one where you have like you have a main villain who's causing who's causing trouble. And then there's also he has his like little sub villains that are around the city, and you essentially have to. It, it's it's a it's a containment game of of sorts because you have to kind of keep everything in check while still whittling away at the main villain, 
as you go along um, because every round they will like the, all the villains will kill a number of citizens and that's kind of like your your doom timer if you if you reach a number of citizens that get killed uh that's what causes you to lose the game to win the game you have to defeat this main villain now each player has a character um that has their own unique set of dice that are used which makes them basically more skilled in one of the six action areas that are possible throughout the game um but the game is meant to be a cooperative game where you roll all your dice simultaneously and then you all like work together to figure out what everybody should be doing and then you do the thing in the city. I will say after playing this, I think it goes up to six. Mm -hmm. I would never play this with an odd number of people. Well, yeah, apparently like it's, it's one of those deals where like playing with an odd number makes it harder because the rules as far as how much stuff is on the table is the same for five or six players and it's the same for three and four players. So playing right. with odd number, it's you're, essentially it's harder just because you have less people to cover well, the same no, ground. It was the same for four or five, but still it felt like with five it was like still too much going on right. even. Well, and, and what I told him that th- this one didn't really get on with me too much just because it felt a little spreadsheety because like it's 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 it was about managing like a number of tracks and stuff like that on the board essentially which i don't mind and and the way i told em is like i don't mind getting punched in the face in a co-op game but if i'm gonna get punched in the face i'd like a fun story to be told along the way yeah i just i did not feel like there was no story Mm -hmm. and this and this would be one that if if they can manage to get the theme to shine through a little bit more might make it a little bit more fun to play, but it reminded me a lot of a game that we'll talk about in a little bit. And I'd rather play the game that we'll talk about in a little bit as far as a, like a dice rolling, you know, city theme game, essentially. Gotcha. Yeah. It just, it was one of those ones. Like I get where they were going with it, but I did not have fun. Like we literally, <laughs> we played three turns and we were dead. Mm-hmm three turns and done like the first turn we lost half of our lives right it was pretty bad pretty brutal and and, and to be fair like co- at an event like that co-op games at any convention really co-op games are going to be tough to because it's to demo. so loud in there and it's well, not hard even, to talk across well not even that too. just because co-op games tend to have a higher learning curve because you have to learn how to work around the game systems mm-hmm. as well so that can make it tough when you're just sitting down to play something once and then that's it so. well and he was like oh i've seen people win it on the first turn i'm like how oh no he's he didn't say he's seen people win on the first turn he's saying he's seen people lose on the first turn no I, no he said he's seen people no, win no, no. it on the first it, turn it, it's impossible to win that game on the first turn like, the way mm-hmm. the way the game is set up i think you heard him incorrectly to 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 uh to solidify the point you were making about it being hard to hear at a convention, so. <laughs> but no, yeah, I mean, I, I and this is one of those ones, I'm looking, I'm like, how? How is it possible mm-hmm. to win this game? Like, it's, it seemed... I mean, but we, we've said that about games. Very and much more we've, difficult. We've said that about games in the past, though, as well, too. And, you know, it, it is possible. You just have to learn to play around how the game works. Um, but we hit the goal because he said he wanted it to last three rounds, and that's all it lasted. Yeah, so there you go. <laughs> Um, New Rain was a game that we came across as well. This is by Aaron Andrew Wilson. Um, this was an interesting little area control slash like hand building game of sorts that was yeah. kind of cool. Um, it, it's a game where you have these different colonies and each colony has like a deck of cards that one is face up. It's a person that you can recruit and these people 
like recruiting them, you're trying to install well, them into a city council, to like so, a galactic council. So you have to give them the little story, though. So you're in this system, and they've just been through, you know, war, and they're trying to rebuild. Mm-hmm. You and the other factions are trying to gain their trust to be able to recruit the people from their planets. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you gotta... <laughs> right. So, what's you have, like, three ships that you can deploy... Every round. And the ships can either be deployed to the colonies, and deploying them to the colony allows you to... Change your dice. Or take the action of that colony. You also have two dice that'll show one of two symbols that get rolled at the beginning of the game, but then they stay stationary unless you manipulate them through other means Mm -hmm. in the game. Um, Or it'll let you do... There's six different actions that can be taken as well, depending on where you put your colony, but... While while you are also trying to do the actions of the colonies, you're also trying to maintain control of them because whenever scoring rounds happen, you're going to get points for each colony that you have the most or second most influence in as you go along. Um, you also have to – there's also actions on your board, which can be to – to basically characters that you've acquired into your hand, you can put them into your ready area, which gives you a quick bonus of some kind. But having a character in your ready area allows it to be positioned into the galactic council or into, you know, whatever the council area is, mm-hmm. um, which is kind of like the, which is the thing that triggers scoring rounds and also gets you victory points putting these guys into, into space in the council. So it was a neat twist on, Area control and hand management and a mm-hmm. game that I would be keen to see and, and play the full version of. We only played like a very brief um, kind of couple around version just to get to the first scoring. Mm-hmm. And there seemed to be some cool, some interesting decisions that could it. be made. Yeah, it was, it was fun. I, I I thought it was very interesting. Like it, for for what we played, like I felt like I could do a lot. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like you get those just those three things each turn, but I felt like I could do a lot with those three things. Yeah. You know? And I, and I do I do wonder what that game would look like with two because we were playing a four player game. Mm-hmm. Um so not sure how how that would go. But yeah, this uh it, it's it's a game that I definitely enjoyed playing and, and would like to play it again at some point for sure. Yeah. Um last on the list is one that we got to play last year. We were actually the second play test last year at Unpub, the second place test ever. Mm-hmm. And that is Valor City Vigilantes from our buddy Brad Smoley. Yeah, this is um it this is a, a cool I, I guess you could liken it to, you know, King of Tokyo in some ways, some way, shape, or form in some well, because die rolling. Um you each have a superhero that is trying to clean up Valor City of crime. And there's always a certain number of criminals that are out there. There's also a number of masterminds that are terrorizing the city. And each turn, you're going to roll your dice Yahtzee style to try and get... There's there's different resources. There's fists, there's energy, and there's, uh, there's brain power. And each turn, you determine which character you're trying to fight. And you're trying to fight them to cap... to clean up a portion of the city. And... When you when you fight this character, you have to match the symbols that are on the villain's card 
essentially, and also on the tile for the, the part of the city that you're trying to eradicate. And if you were able to do that within a couple, you know, within your three die rolls, then you capture the villain and you get a reward from them. You get to put the city tile on the board and get a reward from that. And you're also building Valor City up as you go along the game as well, which is doubly important because Valor City, you can travel around and get different bonuses mm -hmm. and, and stuff as well as you go. There's also now the biggest change in the game. When, when we played the game last year, it was about scoring victory points. Mm -hmm. um, this time around, it's actually now an objective-driven game where you're trying to complete a number of objectives. Also, last year you had your own personal like tableau that you were working with with the tiles that you acquired. Mm -hmm. This time it was communal, which mm -hmm. was very cool. Yeah, the city's I, built I communally really like now, that. which is which is very which is very interesting. And I really enjoyed the shift towards the objective-driven gameplay because mm -hmm. I think that. It gives you it gives you more focus. It gives you more well, things. Well, and even to, last year, like towards. we played four player game last year, and he was um, worried about time. Mm -hmm. And I think with the objectives in versus the victory points, um, the objectives make it go quicker. Yes, because we we played a two player game of this because he he wanted us to sit down and play two players because yeah. he, he had never not done a lot of play tests with two. Right. So he wanted to see what that looked like, and we were actually able to crush this game out in like half an hour basically. Yeah. Like yeah. It, it and and I went from. He said in the normal game it's six objectives. We played a four objective game, but I I got from three to six on my last turn with yeah. what I was able to do. And I went from one to three, so that right. was good. Yeah, so you can you can bang those objectives out pretty pretty quickly if you uh, if you're doing what you're doing. Um, I also like this one because you have more. I th I felt like you had more control over customizing how your character developed during the game. Mm -hmm. Um. Also different from last year is the characters had storyline objectives mm -hmm. um, that were, you know, unique to them. Right. And they all had their special power, which is cool. Yeah, it's it, it does a really cool job. Like, like, like Brad's a buddy of ours, and he's a big comic book fan. And you can definitely, or at least, you know, superhero fan, you can definitely see... That and, he, and he does all the art for like all the villains and the mm. good guys and everything, and they're fantastic. Yeah, and it's but like this is a game where you can really like it's the superhero theme is really shining through mm -hmm. pretty well in terms of like how the dif the different abilities the characters have and their storylines and how the the different types of characters can interact with each other and stuff like that. See, so Valor City Vigilantes. Um, a, a different game than we played a year ago, but something that I think is much more fleshed out, and and we had a lot of fun with, and and had a blast trash talking each other. Oh, while absolutely. we were playing as well. Very, I think he got a kick out of that too. That's it, it was it was a really fun time. <laughs> like I said, I we we love dice games, and and this one was a was a pretty pretty cool one. Kind of also reminded me of playing like like an open world video game, and you're trying to clean out different areas of, mm -hmm. of the different city as you're going along and stuff like that, too. Yeah. So, yeah, that was our that was our experience at Umpub. Um, oh, and this year, we finally won a game for leaving feedback. I was so yeah, excited. Yeah, we, we, we won a free copy of Hegemonic, which is cool. <laughs> um, we picked up a couple new games that we'd been scouring for that yes. they happen to have at they the vendor hall. Nobody had Well, now Amazon has it back in stock, hun. Yep, and, and like I said, we... Um, you know, got to catch up with some folks. Um, ran into the folks from the from the League of Nonsensical Gamers, who are buddies. Um, didn't get to play Dan Halstead's game Storm Chasers, which we played last year. And I know that Emily especially was curious to see how, how that's come changed. along over time. So hopefully, we'll get to do that at some point well, too. Maybe we'll just have to get together with him and he right. can bring it over. <laughs> and and then we got to actually go sit down and have a have a dinner for just the two of us, which is a rare thing. Yeah, because he's like, nowadays. oh, well, hun, they're doing open gaming. I was like. 
Or we could go have dinner by ourselves and I don't have to worry about cutting up someone's food and I can yeah. have an adult beverage. <laughs> so yeah, no, it was just like said, so just a really good day. Um like I said, the, the the day flew by much quicker than it normally does for us at Unpun. I had so much fun. Like this year I think was the most fun I've had. Yeah, for sure. It was it's definitely it like I said, it's 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 a really fun convention. I, I encourage those of you that are in like the mid Atlantic area, um, to definitely consider checking it out during the springtime. It's free admission. Um, if you just want to come and play test stuff, but if you can also kick them a couple of bucks to support what they do, um, I think, I think 140 games now have come through the unpub program mm-hmm. and have gotten published at That's this awesome. point, which is a pretty cool, pretty cool thing for sure. And, yeah. and it's good work that those guys are doing. Daryl Louder, um, is the guy that heads it up. And and it's just a really it's a fun convention and it's just a really neat concept because I mean, like you get to meet some of the designers of some of your favorite games at these. I'm just like, okay, cool. This is awesome. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's it's like so we had a lot of fun. And and this is one that, you know, especially if they keep it in this area, um, you know, we'll go to every year for sure. So definitely a good time. So, yeah, that is uh, that is it for us this week. Um, so thank you all, as usual, for listening. Again, um, check us out on, on social media at Tabletop for Two and getting the BGG Guild and all the other stuff that we have available for you guys. Um, we will we will see you guys in... You what? haven't done your spiel. Oh, that's right. Yes, TNP <laughs> Studios. That's that's the network we're part of. I I mean, and, and for those of you that, that um, don't listen to the other TNP shows, I would definitely highly encourage you to do so. Um, we have a, we have a little bit of something for everybody. We have we have politics and we have you know movies and TV and comics and we have video games and anime and and all sorts of other cool things. Um, consider checking out the premium channel as well. Um, that's five bucks a month or fifty dollars a year. You can find that at thenerpocalypse.com slash premium. It's worth it just for no time to bleed. <laughs> um, check out our YouTube channel or check out the Nerpocalypse YouTube channel in addition to Tabletop for Two's YouTube channel because we uh, we are we have a new series called TNP Presents that there's a few episodes up of us. Uh, going to various different places and and doing some interviews and those are really cool and we have a lot of cool stuff that's right around the corner that we can't talk about yet but we're gonna be <laughs> we're gonna be doing some really cool things here uh, in the network and within the next couple of months so again if you have not if you've not checked us out um, I encourage you to to check out some of the other things we're doing and see if uh, see if you like what you see because we have some really fun stuff that we have planned. Um, that we're going to be throwing out to you guys over the next couple of weeks, and we're really excited to be able to do it. So that is uh, that is it for us. We will see you all and talk to you in a couple of weeks. See you later. Bye. Bye.